0: All right, today we are continuing in our series in Ephesians. Uh, we've been slowly going through this book. It's been sort of a verse at a time. We're going to hit a couple verses today. And we're going to talk about uh, the freedom of forgiving, forgiving others, so let's pray. By God, we ask that you would uh, by your holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. And God, there are things in life which uh, can be incredibly painful and difficult. And uh, God, we pray you would teach us about forgiveness this morning. God, I pray you would bring us to a new level of forgiveness in our lives. That, uh, that we would forgive in, in radical ways as, as you have forgiven us. And so God, we open ourselves to you to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. I do believe there is, did I miss Sunday school? There is, I think uh, grade two and under there is the shine zone today. James is his teaching there. So you can just head to the back if you do have any grade two and unders so you want to head out. All right, now uh, let me read the text for today. Ephesians 4. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander. Along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Uh, forgiveness is one of those key things that we need to do well in in our lives. That if you uh, really want to live free and really want to live with joy in your life, you need to be a very forgiving person. Uh, If you want to make it in a a long-term relationship, in a marriage, or in a community, or with friends, you need to learn to be very forgiving. Uh, When you walk with unforgiveness, it robs you of a lot of joy and a lot of freedom. Uh, When you walk with unforgiveness, you will tend to be someone who will tend towards you tend to isolate yourselves, and it's Satan who pushes you there because Satan is always trying to isolate us so he can assassinate us. That there's there's strength in community. Uh, Unforgiveness is one of those things we need to run away from and we need to run towards forgiveness. And and today we're going to talk about how how we do that. This text begins by saying, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, We're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, Thessalonians similarly says, do not quench the Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit, uh, He lives in us when we trust Jesus. Uh, when we have a relationship with God, it's not this God is distant. God actually moves in into us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, He is our teacher. He's our counselor. He is our helper. He is our guide. He is the one who fills us with the fruit of the Spirit. And, and the last thing we should ever, ever want to do is to hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's really what the idea of, of grieving or quenching, it, it's hindering the work of the Spirit in our lives. The word quench is Like when a fireman in the picture, he's trying to quench the flames. And the Holy Spirit, he's a fire in our lives. The Holy Spirit came on the early disciples in tongues of fire. He burns in us. He is refining us. He is growing us. And there are things that we can do to quench the work of the Spirit, to hinder the work of the Spirit in in our lives. One of the work of, of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. The unhindered work of the, uh, the Spirit in our lives produces love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these are the things that we really need in our lives. We, all of us need to be filled with more love and more patience and more goodness and more, more self-control. But when we grieve the Spirit, uh, those things are hindered. The Holy Spirit, again, cannot do what he wants to do in our lives. It's like we're pouring water on the fire of the Spirit in our lives. Now, how how do we quench the Spirit? Well, he lists a few things here. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling. And and we talked about that uh, a few weeks ago. We talked about dealing with our anger and how we can transform our anger. And slander along with every form of malice. And we talked about last week about gossip and slander. Uh, And then he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. Forgiveness is one of the quickest ways. If you're like, you know, how do I grieve the Holy Spirit? I'm really into that. If you're really into grieving the Holy Spirit, just be unforgiving. A lot of times when people are really struggling in their faith, uh, they're just being, I, mean, I feel that like God is kind of distant and I'm really having a heart. I just don't feel God is close. One of the first questions to ask, are you carrying any unforgiveness? Unforgiveness, it just seems to be one of the quickest ways to just to, to hinder the work of God, to push God away, to slow down the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Unforgiveness is really a serious thing. And uh, we know the story in Matthew 18, Jesus told a story about forgiveness uh, it is introduced this way. Then Peter, as one of the disciples, came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin uh, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And of course Peter's trying to be impressive. And I think if we forgive uh, forgave someone seven times in a row, uh, we might be pretty impressed with ourselves as well. You know, someone stole our lunch seven times at work and, and we still forgave him the seventh time, but I think that Jesus was not really that impressed. Because he re- responds, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, we don't just forgive someone one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, but he says 77 times. And he's not trying to be like some legalistic, like you count, like I was 74, 75, I'm only forgive you three more times and that's it. No, the idea here is just you just keep forgiving. You just, you just keep forgiving. It doesn't matter... How many times that person messes up, you keep on forgiving. Now, we're going to talk about what that looks like. But our forgiveness towards others as followers of Jesus is to have no end. You just keep forgiving. And then he tells a story to explain this. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, uh, one was brought to him who owed him 10000 talents now that was a lot of money because the talent was kind of a year's wage and so this was 10,000 years wages and so if you picture what you make in a year and times that by 10,000 and someone said you got to pay that back you just couldn't because we don't live to 10,000 by the way I saw someone on global who was 145 years old wow that's old but 10,000 years we don't live that long this is a lot of money and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. And, and of course, he knew he couldn't do this. And what would you do if you were in a situation that's impossible? We we tend to, to beg, right? God, help me! And this is what this, this guy does. He, It says, the servant fell to his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. He's just trying to get out of this. He did I mean... You nor I would ever want our sam family and ourselves to be sold into slavery. He's just, you know, I'll do it. Just have patience. I me. Mean, I'll try to pay you back even though it's impossible. And then this master has incredible uh, mercy and grace on the servant. And it says, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And he just forgave an impossible amount of money. I mean, just imagine if you owed 10,000 years worth of your yearly wages and someone forgave that. I mean, that's just, it's huge. It's, it's, it's unimaginable. And of course, we know this is a picture of how God has forgiven us. And we might say, well, I don't owe God 10,000 years worth of wages or, you know, I haven't sinned that much in front of him. And we've got to understand that, that the, the, the price of sin often is different compared to who you've sinned against. I mean, if you punch a chicken in the head, you're probably not going to get that much trouble. You know, unless it's your pet chicken. But if you punch your neighbor in the face, you're going to be in a whole lot more trouble. But you're going to be in more trouble if you punch a police officer in the face. And probably even more trouble if you punch the Supreme Judge of Canada or whatever, some big guy like that. I mean, this is not just sinning against, you know, our friends and neighbors. We've sinned against the God of this universe. It's in a price that we cannot possibly pay. But the good news of Jesus is, like the servant, if if we ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. Uh, This verse in 1 John chapter 1, a famous verse, it says, The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Uh, that Jesus actually forgives us of all of our sin when we ask. And not just the big stuff, not just the, the little stuff, but, but everything. I mean, just imagine for a moment just every single mistake you've ever made. It can be forgiven in Jesus. I mean, Colossians talks about how our sin is nailed to the cross. It said, God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. That he takes all of our sin away. He forgives all our sin. That's why he says he has made us alive. Because sin often weighs us down in guilt and shame. But when you're forgiven, it makes you alive, it sets you free. So much so that Hebrews ten twenty two says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. It's what, what Jesus does that you can actually be cleansed of all of your shame and your guilt. And you don't have to keep punishing yourself for your mistakes, because Jesus was already punished for, and we can be free. Even the big stuff. It doesn't matter how large of mistakes that you have, been, have made in your life. In Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, if you would just ask for forgiveness. He says he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and you can actually be set free. There's no more debt to be paid. There's nothing more that you owe because Jesus has taken care of it. That's what this, this picture is of how God forgives us. And he graciously, graciously forgives us. But C.S. Lewis also said this. Everyone loves the idea of forgiveness. We love that, right? We love being forgiven 10,000 years worth of our wages. But he says this. Everyone loves the idea of forgiveness until they have something to forgive. I mean, we love it when we're forgiven. But the hard part is when we have to forgive somebody And that's what Jesus goes on in the story. This is the next point of the story. It says this, But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him, and that was not much. It would be maybe about $10,000 in today's money. He began to choke him saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Same kind of picture. Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And so this fellow who had 10,000 years worth of of lifetime wages forgiven can't even forgive $10,000 And orders that this person be punished until he can pay. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should uh, not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do, and this is Jesus speaking, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from Your heart. And so Jesus tells this very sobering, serious story, and he ends with that scary scary statement So my heavenly Father will do to us if we do not forgive. It's not talking about superficial forgiveness, he says from the heart. And when you look at the way Jesus taught on forgiveness, you see that forgiveness needs to be something that we take very, very seriously in our lives. We see Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount on the model prayer when they, you know, Jesus was teaching. So this is how you should should pray. You want to know how to pray? Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And as part of that, he says this. Forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins, God, as we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, God, would you forgive me the way I forgive others? That this is part of our daily prayer. That this is how often we need to make sure that we are living in a life that we have forgiven everybody, that part of our daily prayer should, Father, would you forgive me the way I have been forgiving those. That is, we are to keep very short accounts with people. Just as Jesus uh, Paul said the other week, do not let the sun go down while you're still anger. You should not let your sun go down while you're still harboring unforgiveness. This is a daily prayer. Father, would you forgive me as I am forgiving those around us. And the trouble is, That if we do not forgive quickly, what happens is bitterness begins to take root in our hearts. And Hebrews actually talks about this root of bitterness. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. How do you fall short of the grace of God? Unforgiveness. Bitterness. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. This is what bitterness does. If you don't forgive people quickly, you develop a bitter root. And all of a sudden, you begin defiled because you cannot live fully free. You cannot live in full joy. You cannot have the Holy Spirit flowing through you in incredible ways if you are harboring bitterness. It defiles you and it defiles many. Because if you are harboring bitterness, you cannot speak well of that person to others. You will gossip, you will drag other people into the mud, you'll try to get as many people to agree with you so that you feel justified in your unforgiveness and all of a sudden you are destroying that person's reputation and you are defiling many. This is what unforgiveness does. And so Jesus says, this is a daily thing. God, would you forgive me the way I forgive others? Not, you know, I forgive everybody a year ago, I don't have to even think about this. No, every day. Because every day we will probably get hurt in some way. We are living in a sinful world. You'll get hurt when you come to church. You'll get hurt when you go to work. You'll get hurt by me. I will get hurt by you. I mean, we are not perfect. And this is why Jesus says, you got to learn to forgive. And you got to learn to forgive well. Do not let a bitter root grow up and defile many. And Paul actually talked about in 2 Corinthians, he says in the context of forgiveness. He says, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And he says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us. One of the ways Satan wants to outwit us is just to get us to be resentful towards someone, to get us to be bitter, to get us to be unforgiving. Because again, all of a sudden, he's just robbed you of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've grieved the Holy Spirit. You've quenched the Holy Spirit. And you're no longer living in freedom and joy. And Satan has just outwitted you. We don't want to be outwitted by the enemy. We want to outwit him. And the way we outwit, outwit Satan is to be radical forgivers. But then here's the serious part. Jesus goes on. That story was serious that we read about, but then he says this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Sins and, and he said this in Mark 11 too, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your sins. Then we can get all theological and systematic and say, you know, we're saved by, by faith and, and grace, not by works, and you can get all of that, but, but we can't lessen the seriousness of the statement. Jesus says if we do not forgive others, he's not going to forgive us. And the reason is the story. We've been forgiven 10,000 years worth of lifetime wages, and doesn't matter how horrible what someone has done to it, it does not compare to what we have done before a holy, righteous God. And so we're called to be radical, radical forgivers of people. Now, why do I have to forgive? We just already saw that it's a serious thing. We see that forgiveness is a command. It's not something optional. Ephesians 4 in our text is forgive each other just as in Christ God forgive you. And so the example is not the way my friends forgive. You know, I got this really forgiving friend and so I'll just forgive like him. The model is actually Jesus. That we're to forgive as Jesus forgave who hung on the cross and to his enemies who were torturing him said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's our example. Colossians 3 Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others. In other words, we can never, ever, ever justify unforgiveness and at the same time say, I'm okay with God. It's a command. And it's not because God's trying to be mean to us. It's because God loves you. And there's nothing more that God wants for you than for you to be just continually filled and blessed by his Holy Spirit that you might be overflowing with joy and freedom and you just cannot, cannot be in that state if there's bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness in your heart. Um, Forgiveness makes us more like Christ because Jesus forgave. It makes us more like Christ. Uh, Three, forgiveness opens doors uh, to allow God to work more deeply in our lives. Again, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Spirit through unforgiveness. Therefore, when we do forgive, man, it just opens up the door to more work of the Spirit. And four, uh, forgiveness brings freedom and joy. Uh, I've heard it said that unforgiveness... It's like taking a knife by its blade and trying to jab the person. Or trying to kill a rat by drinking rat poison. Because a lot of times, uh, we just kind of feel that we, you know, I'm justified in my unforgiveness cause I want to get them back. Sometimes they don't even know that you hurt them. Man, I've had that numerous times in my ministry, probably because I'm just a pastor, that I talk more and so I tend to, to hurt people more. But people have been mad at me and I have had no clue. And they've been resentful and said, I you said in that sermon a few years ago, I had I had no idea. And the whole time they're trying to jab me with this knife, and he's like, I really had no idea. You should have talked to me sooner and we could have worked this out. It's not what I meant. Or whatever. You know, I'm sorry for what I said. Uh, I mean, a lot of times it hurts us. And one of the reasons you're to forgive is actually to benefit yourself so you can actually be free. And then you can fill with joy and you can go on to to serve God in the kingdom. I mean, it's like you're trying to jab I mean, it just It is painful for us. It it creates a bitter root, and it defiles us, and it defiles many people. Now, what forgiveness is not? Because a lot of times people will say, I just cannot forgive that person. And sometimes the reason is because they have a wrong idea of what forgiveness is. So first of all, let's talk about what it's not. Forgiveness is not saying what they did was okay or not evil. There are terrible, terrible things that people have done to one another. And sometimes I hear about them as a pastor and they're they're just just totally wicked. But we're still called to forgive. But when you forgive that person, you are not in any way saying what they did is okay or what they did was not evil. It might be incredibly, absolutely still evil, but we're still called to forgive. Uh, Forgiveness is not removing the consequences. Just as God, when he forgives us, does not always remove the consequences, sometimes you still need to have a conversation with that person. Doesn't mean you just ignore the problem. Sometimes it means you've got to call the authorities in certain cases. Uh, forgiveness does not remove the consequences. Uh, forgiveness is not saying that you'll not hurt. I mean, there are stories of followers of Jesus forgiving uh, people who have murdered their families. It doesn't mean they're not going to hurt. There's just there's so much hurt there, but we still forgive. Uh, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness just takes one. Just because you've forgiven someone does not mean that you're going to be in a good relationship with them because it takes two. The only way it can be reconciled is if two people forgive, two people want to work at it, two people are willing to talk. But if that person is not willing to deal with it, you can still forgive even though you're not reconciled. Forgiveness is not saying you have to trust them again. And sometimes people think, well, if I forgive that person, that means I've got to trust them. No, no, it doesn't. Jesus, who was perfect, did not trust people at times. John 2.24 says, Jesus didn't trust them because he knew about people. Sometimes you can forgive someone, but you still need to have boundaries. It might not be safe for you to hang out with them, to go there. You may need to pull back for a little while. It doesn't mean you got to trust them. But what it is going to mean is that you release all debt, all resentment, all bitterness, and you hand it over to God. Here's what forgiveness is. I really like this definition by Henry Cloud. Forgiveness is something that we do in our hearts. Again, that's is what Jesus said, you need to forgive from your heart, not some superficial, you know what kids do? I forgive you, you know. No, it's from our heart, you know. Forgiveness is something we do in our hearts. We release someone from a debt that they owe us. We write off the person's debt, and she is... And she no longer owes us. We no longer condemn her. She is clean. Only one party is needed for forgiveness, and that's me. The person who owes me a debt does not have to ask my forgiveness. It is a work of grace in my heart. It's when you just just set that person free in your heart. And you say, they don't owe me anything. I'm not going to demand payment. I'm not going to demand that they owe me back or pay me back, or I'm not going to secretly try to get them You just forgive, and you know you've forgiven someone when you actually are looking out for their success rather than their demise. Because a lot of times we know there's still bitterness when we're like, "Oh, I just, I just." When you hear some bad news about them, like, "Yes," you know you haven't forgiven when you can't pray as Jesus said to pray: "Love your enemies and pray for blessing over them." And so, forgiveness is when you just set them free. It's when you just release them to God. They owe me no more debt. That person is clean in my mind. Again, it doesn't mean you have to trust them. doesn't mean I've got to hang out with them all the time. But you forgive them. So how do we forgive others? Because it's going to be hard again. There's some really, really painful things that have happened to people. Uh, things that you can almost not even talk about. But Jesus didn't say you only forgive in the easy situations. He says that as God has forgiveness, us, we forgive. It's a command. So how do we do it? first thing we got to do this is believe this we got to believe that through god's power you can forgive because sometimes we're just like i can't forgive that person i just cannot forgive for what they have to, i just cannot bring myself to forgive that person and it's hard but you got to understand that's a lie from the enemy that's your flesh speaking because the Bible promises in Philippians 2 that God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You always, always, always have the power to do what pleases God. If you do not believe that, you will have so much trouble in your Christian walk. You always, always have the power to do what pleases Him. Now sometimes Satan gets to us and our, and our flesh makes us weak and we, we don't want to do it in that moment. But we just got to stand on that truth. That I can choose to do what God wants me to do because he gives me the power to do it. It's not my own power. It's God's power. That we can actually do what God wants us to do. Jesus again on the cross, when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus lived a perfect life. And if there's anybody who said, I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything wrong. It'd be Jesus. And yet he is beat. He is ridiculed. He goes through one of the most painful possible deaths. And he didn't say, I can't forgive them. This is too horrible. Is what he cries out. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Even Jesus, who is our example in life, and we're to forgive as Christ forgave in the moment of being tortured to death by, while being totally innocent still says, Father, would you forgive them? And that is to be our heart. That no matter what has happened that we ask for forgiveness. And sometimes it can be very difficult and sometimes you've got to start with the easy things. When, when you're just like, I cannot forgive. You just start with what you can forgive and then work from there. Uh, I think... The next I have a video clip of uh, Corey Ten Boom I think uh, you know she was a Holocaust survivor and uh, a two minute clip uh, she's talking about how she met one day one of her torturers and uh, her little story of forgiveness
1: it was some time ago that I was in Berlin and there came a man to me and said ah Mr. Boom I am glad to see you don't you know me and suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel overseers, guards in the in concentration camp. And that man said, I am now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God, grace, for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness and Fräulein Tambom wants me forgiven will you forgive me and I could not I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him but when I saw When I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew, I myself have no forgiveness. Do you know that Jesus has said that? When you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, my heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. And I I knew, oh, I'm not ready for Jesus' coming because I have no forgiveness for my sins. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then, I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5.5 5, The love of God is shed brought into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love. Through the Holy Spirit who is given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love. As that you forgive your enemies.
0: Her uh, point, if you read or know her story more, is that a lot of times it's we ourselves are incapable of forgiving. It takes a work of God. It takes a work of God. And that's where we need to expose our hearts and just say, God, I need your help, because we cannot bear fruit, again, without our connection with Jesus. And so, uh, the first point is that we, uh, we when you realize we can forgive, even the worst things. Second thing is uh, that we need to acknowledge what we're actually forgiving. Sometimes people say, well, I forgave them and I still don't feel free. You know, I forgave them, but I still struggle. And sometimes it's because those people have actually not counted the cost of their forgiveness. You need to count the cost of your forgiveness. Uh, It's helpful when you forgive someone to actually, this picture in your mind's eye, run through exactly what you're about to forgive that person for. Because sometimes we'll forgive them and we, always, we just forgive them for a little bit. Or we superficially say, and I forgive you. But there's all this other stuff that we still underlying. we haven't really forgiven them for. When we forgive, we count the cost. When we forgive, we say, I'm forgiving you for this, this, this. I'm forgiving you for years of pain. I'm forgiving you for this bitter. I'm, for, I'm forgiving you all of it. You need to count the cost and actually acknowledge mentally everything that you're about to forgive the person for. Third, you forgive them. We're going to go through a prayer of forgiveness in a moment. And then you want to trust them to God's justice. Again, a lot of times it's like, I cannot forgive them because somehow you feel if you forgive that person, they're just going to go free. What we're actually doing in forgiveness is sending them to a higher court. And this is what the Bible speaks about Romans 12. Do not take revenge or do not be unforgiving, do not be bitter. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. James 4, there is only one lawgiver and judge. And by the way, that's not us. The one is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? In other words, when we forgive, we are taking that person. Because God knows exactly what happened. Nothing, God doesn't miss anything. He knows every last little drop of pain that you have been through from what that person has done. But when you forgive, you are releasing all debt that they owe you and you're leaving them in the hands of God who is the true just judge. And either that person's sins will be forgiven through Jesus, if they're a follower of Jesus, or it will be dealt with on on judgment day. Then you want to stand firm in your forgiveness. Ephesians 6. Take your stand against the devil's scheme. When you forgive somebody Satan will often try to get back at you Say no you didn't really forgive them Or you'll forgive somebody And you'll have um, You might feel like Why do I I still feel bitter at some times Why do I feel this this anger at some times We need to stand firm Stand firm and just say I've forgiven that person As soon as those thoughts of bitterness Satanic thoughts come back You just say I've forgiven them They are clean in my mind They owe me nothing They are in God's court now And you as we've talked about, take obedient every thought, and make it, uh, make every thought and make it captive to Christ. I have forgiven them. I have received grace. I give grace. You just, just release it all to Jesus. And then you want to love them as Christ loves them. And this is really no no when you've forgiven somebody. When they're actually finally clean in your mind. When actually you have released their debt is when you're able to do what Jesus actually told us to do. In Matthew 5, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you you know you've forgiven somebody when all of a sudden you're you're like god would you bless them god would your favor be on them not when you're like i'm oh, just secretly hoping that they fall apart and have problems and blow up i mean when you're looking for the success invite anyway, danielle up here because huh? i want to uh read one more text and then we're going to work through uh just a prayer of forgiveness if there are people we need to forgive Romans 12 says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And this is often what we try to do in our unforgiveness. Suddenly, we just want to get them back. And that's why we feel justified in our unforgiveness. Because if I just remain unforgiven, sometime I'm, I'm going to get them back. But really, you're holding the knife by the blade. You're just hurting yourself. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge our place is the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with, with good. Jesus told us that every day we to say, Father, would you forgive my sins as I forgive those who sinned against me? Is a good habit to get into to search your heart and just ask every day, Father, am I carrying any unforgiveness towards somebody? And uh, as Danielle plays, uh, we're gonna ask ourselves this question. And I'll read it and then maybe just pray it in your own way. And listen for a name. You might have a picture of something that someone did. You might have a name that pops into your head. And here's the question that we ask Jesus. Holy Spirit, please show me any area of my heart Or I have unforgiveness towards another. Is there someone I need to forgive? Let's ask Jesus. Is there someone I need to forgive? If the Holy Spirit spoke a name on your heart or give you a situation that uh, you're bitter, resentful towards, uh, Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to instill joy in you. He wants to do a greater work of the Spirit in you through forgiving that person. And so here's the next step. And I'll read this and then you can pray this in your own way. Father, I confess to you the sin of unforgiveness. I ask you to forgive me for bitterness, resentment and offenses that I have been holding against and you can put that person's name in there. and so pray that on your own. Uh, confess that sin to Jesus. We want to count the cost of what we're about to do. To forgive someone means that we truly forgive. Uh, Jesus told us that we are to forgive from the heart. This is not a superficial forgiveness. And so we need to count the cost. And so the next part of the prayer is that uh, we say, Father, I forgive in whatever name it is, and then you say for, and you just in that moment begin to list the hurts and the pains and the sins that you're actually going to forgive this person for. So pray that in your own words. And then we pray. Father, I release all these wounds and emotions to you. Father, I release all feelings of anger, bitterness, and resentment. And I leave whoever that is in your hands. Just release that junk. Release that pain. Release that bitterness. Release that resentment to Jesus. And then finally, we want to ask God for his love because sometimes it can be incredibly, incredibly difficult to love those people. Father, would you fill me with your love for whoever that is? And I pray blessing and favor, and your favor, God, over them. Pray that in your own words. Father, we pray that you would seal this forgiveness in our hearts. God, you tell us that Jesus came to bring the truth, and the truth sets us free. That you came to fill us with living waters. And God, we want to know that freedom more. We want to know that living water more and more. God, we don't want to grieve your spirit. And so, God, we stand in this forgiveness that we have offered. God, we reject any words from the enemy God we reject words of our flesh that we still want to lash out and we stand in this forgiveness we pray you would seal it in Jesus name God we thank you that you have forgiven us so much there's not one sin there's not one mistake that when we ask you that you don't forgive and God we rejoice in feeling clean we rejoice in the fact that our shame and our guilt is washed away and that we are free. And God, we pray that you would help us to be people who just pass that grace on, who pass that freedom on as we forgive those who hurt us. And God, may we truly forgive as you have forgiven us. And God, as we finish this service by coming to this table of communion, this table where we are reminded by your sacrifice for us, God, I pray you would renew us afresh in your forgiveness. And God, that you would work any remnants of unforgiveness out of our hearts as we relish and, and celebrate the fact that we are so forgiven in you. And so God, we thank you for the bread that we're about to eat that reminds us of your broken body and the cross. We thank you for the, 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 the drink that you're about to take that reminds us of our sh- your shed blood. And we proclaim your death. We proclaim our relationship with you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And I invite the worship team forward. And we're going to finish off today uh, with a couple songs. And uh, as we sing, you're welcome to come to this table anytime during the, our, our final set. And um, and uh, if you want to work on more forgiveness, I, in your bulletin insert, there is those prayers that we had on the screen Uh, You may want to work through that more during this week if there are more people you need to forgive. But let's celebrate the forgiveness of Jesus. Let's celebrate who God is. And let's celebrate our forgiveness by coming to this table. In Jesus' name.